Subtle Forces Podcast. I am your host, Anja, not Anja. It's been a while since I've talked to you straight, ear to mouth. And a lot has happened. Blaine and I moved apartments. In our old apartment, you couldn't even walk across the floor without the downstairs neighbor sending hate rays at you through the floor, banging their broom at you because you have feet that creak across wood no matter how lightly you tiptoe. You slide your toes across the floor. You still have weight. You still have matter. You are still an object going from one place to another. You exist. And the price for existing might be getting out the bang bang broom and bang banging the ceiling floor but the price for existing might also be shutting off the power in your apartment or realizing that your subscription to your favorite magazine hasn't come in a while because you have feet and you walk to the bathroom when you have to use the bathroom at two in the morning and you can't wait till six or eight to relieve yourself. You have to walk across the floor bleary brained with sleep and you cannot always ensure that you do not squark, squeak, squap that one terrible squeaker spot on the floor even though you try your best to not. Sometimes you don't have the best equilibrium in a just woke up state and you anger the ogre in the floor and the ogre will slam all doors as much as possible so that the whole house shakes with his rage and this goes on for months escalating 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 until you move you move you move you move and as you move your husband goes I hope that we are in the next location for five years we have to be here for at least Five years and you say that's what you say every time we move but then we have 
to move because if you have to move, you have to move and then you will move. I hope we're here for at least five years. I hope all is well. I hope this place is safe and secure and free of ogres. But if you have to move, you'll have to move. I'm not expecting to move. But here we are. Home. For now. Right before we moved, I was planning on doing a show about waiting. Waiting for the pandemic to end, to stop being so violent and fighting with each other over the most inane things, it seems. And inane and yet important things, I guess. Um, civility. Waiting for a certain orange former politician to be held accountable for all his crimes. <laughs> The optimist in me wants to believe it will someday, someday. Sometimes karma takes a long time to work its way around, but it, it can catch up with people eventually. <laughs> Since I talked with Colleen Duval before I moved, a lot has changed in the world. Most people are going about their lives unmasked, crowded, going to things that they did before the pandemic existed with some irrevocable changes. And since then, the world has a new war in Ukraine, so we have less peace. And a certain someone who was president, of course, has not been held accountable. Miami, a bird poops on the back seat window as I am staring through it, landing exactly where my face is. And I think, this bird sent me a gift, a holy concoction 
a prophecy of transformation, a splat of excess energy painted on the pane for me to view it. This is all very deliberate. After all, I am in a compact car in motion, hurtling like a herd of turtles, as the memory of my grandma's voice quips. We are just one of many metal and glass chunks swiftly chewing through the clutter of Biscayne Boulevard. It seems an impossible miracle that this splash of clear and brown paste could be plastered before me. We are passing Polo Tropical. We are now passing an office building called Workology. Here, north of downtown, the rest of the city appears to be a continuous strip mall. Every plant that flourishes is one that I am not accustomed to, and when I lay my sweet head down to rest, I see their pointy, peculiar fronds in my head, their cherries which are not cherries, but red berries with undulations and stones you can't swallow. These cherries probably taste like they'd be good for producing bile in your gallbladder, but little else. The wind blows the poop dry and perfectly vertical on my window. In Miami, you can estimate the wealth of a neighborhood by how straight the trees are on each block. Askew palms mean people do not have the money to ensure their vegetation remains perfectly erect. Straight palms are like a ladder to the skyscrapers, reaching for the kings of real estate up there in their third home penthouse. If you think I sound strident in my sudden judgment, I think the reason is that I grew up in the Midwestern suburbs in a house where every time someone within a mile radius hired a pesticide company to spray their lawn, the companies were legally required to warn us, including the address and date for the chemical application. I am not sure what the point of those calls were supposed to be. Were we supposed to show up on that day at the address and protest? We never did. We just clicked our tongues and grumbled about pesticides seeping into our well, pesticides giving the toads in the pond extra legs, pesticides causing cancer and Parkinson's. Lawns and palm trees, how could I ever agree with straightening what bends on its own? Inside my mouth, the topography is left jagged from wires poking me so I can have less crooked teeth. I remember when I first got braces in high school, a girl on the bus cried. My friend told me with tears in her eyes, 
perfect smile, Anja. Hearing that, it seemed like a terrible mistake to get braces. And since then, I have never been convinced otherwise, especially when I run my tongue against lumps of scarred flesh and remember. As we pass another place for laser hair removal, this bird drop on the window is a charm. Charming me. Yesterday afternoon, I got a text from my husband saying that his old friend Mel is in town and that we were to eat a meal. I'd never met Mel before, and here she is next to me now. Blaine's not around. Tell me, Mel, something about Blaine that I don't know about, please. And thank you. And you can take your time. I have known Blaine, Anja's husband, since we were in kindergarten. We're the same age. There was a radio commercial one day when Blaine was at our house, standing in the kitchen, and my mother was in the kitchen doing dishes, overhearing this. The commercial was for a Pink Floyd laser light show. In Wichita, Kansas. And this was the nearest big city, about an hour away. And we were saying how that, that would be kind of fun. And surprisingly my mom overhearing this conversation said let's do it I'll take you <laughs> and so it was really it was that was so out of character for all of us to for just the three of us to go on an outing together and we did and we drove to Wichita to this venue called the Cotillion Ballroom and we watched a Pink Floyd laser light show together brought a pack of camel cigarettes and it was it was a really funny awkward moment where he offered one to my mom and she kind of gave a deer in the headlight look of like no I couldn't possibly no and and I was afraid to have one you know in front of her and she was afraid to have one in front of me but she did she braved it and it's like well with Blaine <laughs> because he had that kind of power Blaine has always had this power to somehow give a silent permission with a nod and a smile that lets people feel comfortable being themselves and kind of let go of some inhibition that they might have had for anyone else. It's just the Blaine magic.
Last night I was brushing up on my oyster and my earthworm and my seagull facts. I learned that the Franklin's seagull migrates from Canada to southern South America. I learned that when two earthworms copulate and two are required, despite the fact that they are hermaphrodites, they wrap around each other and excrete mucus. And sperm is exchanged. And then they take each other's sperm with them, plant some eggs, use the other's sperm to fertilize those eggs, and then they wrap everything up in mucus, and it creates a cocoon, a mucus cocoon, and then that goes into the soil, and then some days later, two to twenty worms, small, me of the oyster too because the oyster is a filter feeder that means it sets up in some brackish salty water and will filter in that water through their gills and separate out the nutrients which they absorb and then there's like all this other gritty stuff maybe sand or silt or debris that they have no use for. They can't digest it. So they'll take that and they can't use that. So they will wrap that up in mucus and excrete it without digesting it. They'll just wrap it up in mucus and get rid of it. And that stuff, the mucus covered silt, sand, debris, that is called pseudo-feces and it's unique to oysters I think I could be wrong you'll have to Wikipedia that yourself and the thing that unites 
earthworms and oysters most obviously is that they are both hunted by seagulls. And seagulls will eat just about anything. They'll eat human stuff, they'll eat sardines, they'll eat oysters. And when they do eat an oyster, they are probably closed because they're under attack. They shut. They don't make it easy for the seagull to get the meat. So the seagull has to come down, snap up the oyster, fly it high in the air and far out until it can find some rocks. And then the seagull will drop the oyster from high in the air and it'll smash against the rocks and crack open and the delicacy will be there and that's the thing about oysters when they sense a disruption they snap shut because they're very sensitive to vibrations they don't like deep sea ships and submarines and things that create a lot of vibrations because they can't hear the waves. They think they're under attack and it's stressful. Just as worms are very sensitive to vibrations. Set them on top of a piano like Charles Darwin did and they will respond. And they don't like light. They go deep into the soil where they can secrete their mucus and move around away from the light. And seagulls are always ready to eat earthworms. Seagulls mate for life. They stay with the same partner their whole lives, except sometimes that's not the case. Sometimes seagulls do divorce. However, this creates strain in the seagull community because seagull communities are dense and social and complicated because seagulls are smart and they all live together and they have complicated seagull songs that they sing to each other with many different sounds and they have a lot on their mind. They use tools. They hunt for goldfish with pieces of bread. They drop the bread in the water and the goldfish comes up for the bread and then the seagull goes in and takes it. So it's a big deal. When two seagulls realize they're not compatible for each other. And the whole social dynamic, the whole community can have lasting complications for years. The oldest recorded seagull that I saw lived to 49. If you get a divorce... 30 and you're a seagull you could still be dealing with the fallout from that for two decades well maybe I don't really know that part I'm just guessing
But oysters, they all live together too. They live in these colonies called oyster reefs. And not only are there a lot of oysters, there's all these creatures that live on oysters. Hundreds of different species live on the hard surfaces of oysters that collect in the water. They create a terra, an earth of sorts. And even within the oysters, sometimes you can find a miniature crab living off of the things that the oyster is filter feeding. The things that the oyster intends to eat itself, not the silt that becomes the pseudo-feces, but the actual nutrients. The crab steals it parasitically. Just like seagulls are parasites of human debris eating our trash. Just like earthworms, when inspected under a microscope, are usually host to all sorts of parasites that live within these worms. Worms within worms. Worms within worms. How many parasites out there, I wonder, have parasites living within them? And so on and so forth. Are we in this universe in an atom of a another even larger universe? How many universes up do seagulls go? Is it the same universe? Is it different? I don't know. I could give you a headache. I could continue and give you a headache, but I would rather thank Anton Seeger, who in the music world is known as Illicit Eagle these days. He created the amazingly strange music for today's show, and he has a new album out online called Illegible Eagles by Illicit Eagle. And I will link that in the show notes. Thank you to Colleen Duval for your time uh, talking with me about things you're waiting for. Thank you to Blaine's friend Mel for answering my question, even though technically you weren't sure what I would and would not know about Blaine that you know. And thank you to Blaine for having that way with people, of getting them to relax and be themselves. Thank you to seagulls, oysters, and earthworms, and thank you to listeners for listening. If you enjoy what you heard today, I encourage you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts because it helps this strangeness reach further ears.